0: Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding.
1: It's time for Soul Talks, where we elevate conversations for intimacy with Jesus and soul care for you, your loved ones, and the people that you minister to. Thank you so much for Joining Christy and me, it's our great blessing and privilege to have you in our community. Truly, we just wish that we were sitting down with you over coffee or over our kitchen table, and we could just be having a soul talk face-to-face. But we'll do it this way, voice-to-voice, and we are so thankful that you're following Jesus with us. And we're excited we're beginning a new series on family. As you're listening, this is the month of November, or maybe you're listening afterwards, but we we got the holidays coming up, and so we're especially wanting to be loving and wise in how we relate to one another in our families. And there are some challenging situations that come up in families. We, we love each other, and so we get together, but sometimes some of our relationships in the family are difficult. And Certainly, there's more stress this time of year.
0: Well, and when we're stressed, it affects our relationships too. When we're stressed, we're maybe more irritable, or maybe we get so focused on all that we have to do that we take each other for granted. So I think that it's especially a good time also to just be looking at relationships within families and growing in that intentionally.
1: So in this series, we're going to be talking about feelings and faith, uh, expectations, and Boundaries and Difficult Relationships. So we got you covered where spiritual formation meets psychology. That's what we're all about here is helping you follow Jesus with healthy feelings and faith. So now in this particular podcast, we want to talk about how we raise kids with healthy feelings and faith. We want to begin with a testimony from a pastor's wife who came to our Soul Shepherding Institute retreat recently. And all of you are welcome to join us. We'd love to have you with us in person. We'll be starting a whole new cohort in March in Colorado Springs, and it be so fun to meet you there. So she says, I have become accustomed to postponing my feelings these last few years. Anybody relate to that, postponing your feelings, especially in the work of caring for others and the work of leadership? She says, my feelings have been clattering around in my head and heart so loudly in the scorching heat of ministry in the pandemic. But at this retreat, I have sat in the shade to cool off and feel the breeze again. <sighs> Sometimes we just need to rest and be in a community that loves us, and we don't have to do any work, and we can just learn and glean, care for our souls, and have healthy relationships, and get a, get a new perspective on our life and our ministry. So that's what she's talking about. Then she closes and says, thank you for giving legitimacy to how I feel for bringing calm to my jittery soul. Yeah, a lot of us postponing our feelings because of the stress. You know, and our kids do that too. You know, they get, they get busy or they've got stuff with their, their peers and or just maybe they've learned it from us.
0: Yeah, or maybe they're just intuitively trying to protect us from their feelings, afraid that we couldn't handle them.
1: And some personalities are more uh, prone to sort of repress their emotions than others. But so many of the mental health challenges and stress reactions and conflicts that we have in our relationships, also the the difficulties in our relationship with God, they're caused by this postponing of our feelings, is the way this pastor's wife put it. We're repressing our emotions or we're intellectualizing or we're just distracting ourselves from what we're what we're feeling inside. And, you know, we all want to feel happy and joyful and loving and peaceful, so we probably don't try to postpone those feelings. But as it relates to disappointment and discouragement or anxiety, anger, uh, guilt and shame, that kind of stuff we don't want to feel. And so we tend to push that down, and that creates problems.
0: It does, because if we're not processing and we're not aware, it's going to affect the way that we relate to people. One of the things that's been Really important in raising healthy kids and feelings and faith is being authentic. And so, if we are modeling our authentic faith in front of our children and they see it's real, they see it's working for us, they see that it's really a good way of living and it helps us to be better parents, they're going to lean in more to want to learn from us. But if they see that it's something that we're just doing, it's a behavior and it's not integritous to us. Kids know that. They notice that, especially if we're trying to teach them things that we aren't living. You know, they're they're not going to be too interested.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about a theme that we talk about often in soul shepherding. In fact, it's the the branding of our soul shepherding Instagram account and if you're not following us there, we we got over 25,000 people uh following Jesus with us there and we'd love to have you in that community. And that is all themed around following Jesus with feelings and faith. This is a subject we often talk about on Soul Talks, and today we're applying it to the family and to how we raise our kids. And Christy, most of what I have learned about healthy feelings is from you and your self-awareness, your sensitivity, your emotional health, and your empathy. I'd just love for you to share with us, as we raised our kids, how you did this, because we had... We had like two top values of like it was all about this for us as parents. Of course, there's so many things that are important to do as parents, but we wanted to raise our kids with a love for Jesus and with empathy, and that was like our our guiding themes.
0: Yeah, to have emotionally and spiritually healthy children was my goal intentionally, and so to work backwards from imagining, well, what what at this age, at each age, do they have the capacity? To learn and to understand, and knowing that a lot of that was going to come from modeling because you know they're going to emulate us, and we saw that pretty early on how they do that how that how powerful that modeling is and so we we talked about our feelings in front of our kids. You now we talked about our feelings in ways where we were sharing by taking responsibility for our emotions. We also showed them when we had conflict, we didn't protect them necessarily from that conflict, we did appropriately and age appropriately but we were really intentional to show them how we made repair and how we communicated.
1: Someone listening is thinking, well, wait a minute. I don't want to dump my feelings on my kids. or my
0: right.
1: One of my parents did that to me, or that that doesn't sound healthy.
0: No, that's de- definitely true, and there's definitely going to be some feelings that you need to protect your kids from, for sure. But there are also times when it, like one of the ways we did this was at dinner, we would each give everybody a turn to share their peak of the day, their high point of the day, and their low point, their pit of the day. And we did that, too. And so, of course, we would filter what we shared with that, something that we thought was appropriate for them to be able to understand. But it just gave that acknowledgement that we're all human, we all struggle, we all have low times, hard times, things that happen to us. And we all have good things, times when we experience God's blessings, and to be able to give thanks for the good and celebrate that, acknowledge that. Sometimes that good was about somebody at the table, that it was even an opportunity to express affirmation. And then sometimes that pit, the low point involved people at the table. And to be able to just speak the truth about even that I I had a hard time in reaction to this. This was a bummer for me. This This was the hardest time of my day, was trying to deal with my emotional response to... Something that maybe somebody said or did that day, but I'm I'm owning it. I'm I'm talking about my emotions from a perspective using I statements that I thought and I felt or, or I wanted this and I was disappointed because this didn't happen. I was disappointed that it went a different way. It was hard for me. I, and as we share that and as we own that with with an emotional awareness, not not talking about you really disappointed me today, but maybe I would say something like I was disappointed that. I didn't get time to go out and throw the ball with you, David, in the backyard today. I, I really wanted to do that, and it was sad for me that I didn't because the laundry had to be done because we needed our scout uniforms for tomorrow's meetings or I needed to make dinner because we needed to eat so we could have the nutrition we needed for homework or you know, just to be able to talk about some of the realities but talk about it emotionally too.
1: So you're normalizing emotions and you're giving – words for emotions. And since it's a part of your conversation with uh, the children, our conversation with each other, it's helping them to learn the language of feelings and to not be embarrassed or be, be so private that they hold all that back, but to be able to express that facilitates bonding in relationship, facilitates uh, receiving the, the nurture, the, the care, the encouragement that they need.
0: Yeah, i even I you know, I remember saying to our kids at times when I was hormonal and my emotions were kind of in the driver's seat going to them and just saying, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm aware that my emotions are really heightened right now. I'm really struggling and I'm really feeling it hormonally and physically in my body and I just want you to know this isn't about you. And I'm sorry.
1: What what a relief that gives to that child. And because right, these things Came up so often for us with our kids, and for every parent, it does. Because life stuff happens. We've we've got weights and responsibilities and stresses, and there's conflicts, and we we experience uh, things. And so, our kids see that, mm-hmm. and they they are uh, feeling, even even if they're not super sensitive, they're still going to be aware and have some uh, effect of the mood, the disposition, the the nonverbals, the 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 bodily presentation of their parent. And so if we don't put words to what we feel, if we don't do what you just did there to take ownership of that, then the kids will feel it, they'll be affected by it, <clears throat> and they'll personalize it. mm mm-hmm. They'll think, oh, it's about me. I, I'm doing something wrong, and they'll they'll feel bad, or they'll they'll get into one of these dysfunctional family roles that we've talked about previously. Like if they're the clown, then they'll be the clown to try to make the, everything light and, and funny to, because they they want want to lift your spirit. Or if they're the hero, they'll go out and try to perform and and do do great things to draw the attention that way. Or if they're the peacemaker, they'll they'll rush in and try to be helpful and comfort and, and soothe. And so the kids are going to take responsibility for what their parents feel if we don't acknowledge this is what I'm feeling, this is my emotion, this is about me, it's not your responsibility, you don't need to worry about it. So that that lets the air out of the balloon, that helps them to relax, and then now it's modeling this self-disclosure as well.
0: Yeah, and it's also important to, one of the, the things that I did that was really intentional was to try to help them label their feelings. So when I saw that they were having emotion, even as little children, I mean, you know, toddlers, if Jenny was angry you know i would say oh you're angry you know tell mommy about your anger or if she would act out and you know in anger and frustration hit one of her siblings to be able to say it's okay that you're angry but it's not okay for you to hit tell tell me what are you feeling what are you angry about and trying to help her get in touch with what she felt and express it rather than just act it out in a way that's destructive
1: right using your words Rather than acting it out, mm-hmm. talk it out. Don't act it out. That's yeah. a great principle from and AA.
0: Stories helped with that too, because especially with Jenny, she really liked Beauty and the Beast, and so it was easy for my for me to kind of use that as we don't want to be like the Beast. The Beast is angry, you know. We want to be like Belle, you know. Belle, she's kind. She's loving. Now you feel angry like the Beast. Tell me about that. It's okay to have the feeling. But can you, talk, can you talk to me about it? Can we express it in a way? Can we color an angry picture? Can we do an angry dance? Can we do something to help you express the anger that won't hurt somebody?
1: So she's not only finding the words for her emotions, but she's learning to take ownership or responsibility of that. That This is my emotion. It's part of me. And I need to learn to deal with this in ways that are effective and uh, will, will work for me in, in, in my life and will be loving to other people. hmm so it's a little-by-little little process. This mm-hmm. takes many years, right?
0: It does. Yeah, lots of repetition. And then, you know, there were times when we lost our temper. <laughs> we got beast-like, right? We would be frustrated at them, something they did, and, and we would be angry with them. And so when we did get angry with them inappropriately, we would we would apologize quickly. We would be quick to say, I'm sorry, I got too angry. And yes, what you did was wrong, but it wasn't okay for mommy to get so angry at you.
1: Yeah, that was that was hard for me, to, I, but I learned that it was actually the easier way. Uh, so we always like to say about Jesus, easy yoke, it's the easy way of doing hard things. It's hard to go back to a child when you've gotten too frustrated in a disciplined situation, and what you were disciplining that child over was legitimate, something they need to learn, and yet if I got too frustrated if I lost my temper, to go back and say, you know, I'm sorry that I got angry and that, that wasn't appropriate. Uh, can you forgive me? Uh, how did that feel for you? That's the all-important second step in repair when there's been a conflict in a relationship is not only to say I'm sorry, but then also to say, tell me how that felt for you and to, and to listen and to try to draw uh, our child out. And sometimes they wouldn't want to answer that but over time, they learned that they could, that I was open to their feelings, their experience, uh, what they need, and maybe they're angry at me. And, and so to be able to use their words again to express that, and for me not to be defensive, not to counterattack w- with a, ju- a judgment or, oh, but you you, you misbehave here and you shouldn't do that, I always put myself on the rule that, well, if I've... If I've gotten too angry, uh, even just uh, an expression of frustration that that was stressful, hurtful to a sensitive, tender soul of a child, to set aside the discipline issue because that problem behavior is going to come up again. We're getting lots of chances, right? And so I'll I'll wait till the next time to discipline it and hopefully in a calmer, uh, more gentle way. And what I found was that by going back to apologize and offer empathy. And sort of taking my medicine there, which was hard hard to do at first, but once I got into the habit of it, it became easier to do. And so what I found was is that really facilitated the and opened up the relationship and helped the kids to feel safe and helped them to know that, you know, dad is going to be loving and empathetic, even in a difficult situation. And even if the first time he doesn't he doesn't get it right and, and I'm frustrated with him, he'll come back and make repair. And so that, that opens the kids up to have whatever they feel and to bring that t- to their parent and say, well, I don't like this, I don't like that. Now, that's a challenge to deal with. And in some ways, it's easier as a parent if, if we just sort of take control and give high structure and high rules and, and real quick to, to, no, you can't do that, you can't do this, and, and we're not talking about it. And the kids will adapt. Kids are so adaptable. They'll, they'll just adapt and, and work around their parents' misbehavior, whether, whether it's the parents getting angry or having a drinking problem, or being busy all the time, or, or having a high-conflict marriage that the kids are getting brought into the middle of and there's no no repair or communication about it. There are all sorts of things that are unhealthy, and usually it's like unintentional. Pa- parents love their kids. They don't, they don't want to be unhealthy and unloving. But we all have these shortcomings and these weaknesses, and if, if we're not paying attention to our own self as a parent, then, and we're not taking responsibility for that stuff, then the kids are just going to adapt. And we can have a high-structured, high-disciplined home that makes it easier for us, but the kids are just repressing their feelings. They're just w- walking around on eggshells. Okay, what's going to get mom or dad upset or angry? I don't want, I don't want to trigger that, so I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be nice. And then there's a few that go the other way and say, heck with this, and they, they become a rebel, and they just were difficult all the time because they're so upset about it.
0: Well, and, and to be fair, when I repress my emotions for a long time, then they do erupt <laughs> and make a mess. And so I think to, to provide a context where we can stay current and know that it's safe and that we can ask to be listened to when we're having a lot of emotion, and we can trust that we're going to have somebody who's going to tune in to what we're feeling and try to help us name those emotions, who's going to reflect back to us with empathy what we're feeling, extend God's grace to us in that, let us know we're loved, even in the midst of the the messy emotions. And that's one of the things we tried to model and to do. Even at, at night when we were talking about our peaks and pits, we tried to listen with empathy and really attune to our kids and use words to try to reflect what we thought they might be feeling. And so they felt validated in that and heard and understood and, and valued in that. And it's really... One thing we have to really work on there is to be intentional not to try to fix their emotions, not try to fix or prevent them from feeling the way they feel or not trying to manage that, but to really listen. And there were some times parenting where I would listen to our kids complain or share, you know, upsetting things or even criticisms of me. I'm remembering right now a conversation with David when he was a sophomore in high school and he was, he was really angry at me because I wouldn't drive him to school, to high school in the morning. And we wouldn't buy him a car and give him a car. And all of his friends either had rides to high school or they were given a car to drive themselves. And we weren't doing either. And we were expecting him to get himself there by walking or biking. It was a pleasant and not far walk. And we thought it was good for him physically and emotionally and, you know, just to have that time to reflect, to pray, to get his body moving and prepare for the day. And we wanted him to be responsible and independent. Well, he didn't appreciate that. And so it turned out that he was he was hitching rides with friends. And I was feeling guilty about that because his friend's moms were coming to our house and picking him up to give him a ride. And I'm thinking, man, they must just think I'm like this selfish, stubborn, inconsiderate you know, mother. And he
1: worked the system.
0: Yeah, he worked the system. I was feeling embarrassed about it. But listening to him share why he did that and wh- how he felt about the fact that we wouldn't do that, i was hearing a lot of anger and you know as i was listening it was hard for me not to react i wanted to be defensive i wanted to tell him all our values and all the ways we were willing good for him and this boundary and yet i knew it wasn't the time i knew it was the time to hear him and to be able to say back to him well it sounds like you're really resenting this you know this decision we've made and he was like yeah in fact i'm bitter about it and i remember hearing that thing oh wow you know <laughs> like he's and so then i asking more well why and you know then he told me why and and then I said, "Well, so you don't agree with us on this value?" And he's like, "No, I don't." And my friend's parents are good, godly Christian parents too, but they're—they don't—they're not, you know, raising their kids with this value. And so to, to be open to hear how he really felt about it, and thankfully God helped me not to be defensive, but I do remember really reflecting on what he said, <laughs> thanking him for sharing, and you know, I began to pray about it. And later we—we we did decide, okay, we can. We can trust David to have a car and but we'll ask him to drive his sisters to school. He's still is learning responsibility with it and all that. So you know God provided, and my parents hand me down, handed us down a car for very inexpensive, just a couple thousand dollars that worked out well for that. But it was a learning, and it was an opportunity for me to really hear him seek to understand what he was feeling and not react defensively. Now I came to you and processed my emotions of how I felt criticized, how I felt judged, how it was hard to endure hearing how angry he was at us and how much he disagreed with the decision we'd made.
1: Yeah. I was reminding myself of the most important way. I love my kids is to love you, Christy Mm -hmm. by listening to you and teaming with you to work things out. And that's a really important principle in the family is that, uh, in, in the best scenario where, uh, Two parents are together, and I know that some of you listening are single parents, and so you have to find a workaround with, with a friend and with the Lord in prayer. But it's always helpful to have a, a partner that you can process with, and that that relationship is can be such a blessing to the children when they see that mom and dad are, are together and, and love one another and get along, because that, that's what they imprint off of. And just to call out something that you're illustrating here, uh, in any of these situations with parenting, What's always more important than the particular situation at hand, the the problem, the discipline situation, the stress, uh, the communication, what's always more important is the actual relationship. And so the decision around what to do about David getting to school and you know walk, bike, ride, hitch rides from friends, that's important, but it's not nearly as important as what's happening in, in that communication and relating between the two of you. And what you're showing him around emotional honesty, uh, empathy, agreeing to disagree, valuing his, his feelings, his opinions, uh, and a process of collaborating together to work this out is so, so good and so healthy for children. And then let's just make the tie back because this is healthy feelings and faith. So before we close here, Christy, let's, let's talk about, well, how does this relate to our faith in God, our, our, our trusting the Lord?
0: Well, it relates a lot. And there were times in parenting where I found myself having to kind of take a time out with the kids and just push pause and go and, and journal and pray because I, I just was flooded with emotion and I wasn't going to be able to do any effective parenting. And so to be able to just sometimes it would mean putting on a video for them or something, you know, something so that they'd be safe so I could get some space to go and pray and get in touch with what I was feeling and. Journal it to the Lord and receive empathy from the Lord. Sometimes I would reach out to you, I need prayer. I'm not doing very well. Can you, can you listen and pray or listen and pray for me? But to remember that I wasn't alone and to remember that Jesus was there with me, caring for me, helping me, and to turn to him and to rely on his power and his presence and to set the boundary to receive the love that I needed in order to be able to give it. Because there were times I was just spent. I didn't have anything more to give.
1: So the, hopefully you could be in a situation as a parent where you're, you're parenting out of the overflow as you're experiencing God's love and God's grace and God's guidance in your life. It's strengthening you to be able to pour out to the children. That, mm-hmm. That's where we want to be. And so the other thing we'd want to say here is that as we help our children or our grandchildren, many of you listening are grandparents, and that's, that's so fun that we get a second chance, right? And we, we've got two little grandkids, uh, ages one and three, And so we're we're getting to go through that ourselves now. Uh, hard, Hard to believe. I didn't expect to be a grandparent at this point. I kind of thought that would be later, but we're a few years into this now. And in this opportunity with our children, as we listen to them, as we care for them, as we parent them, we're mediating God's presence. Even if we're not using the name of Jesus in a particular conversation, we are Christ's ambassadors. And what we do to facilitate, nurture, empathy, bonding, intimacy, opens up opportunities for them to experience that sort of a closeness with God.
0: Absolutely. They are learning about relating to themselves and others, including God, from their relationship with us.
1: Because as they find words for what they're experiencing in their life, the, the stresses and challenges and conflicts and different emotions... That can be part of their prayer life. That can be part of their scripture meditation. That can be part of their small group experience, their awareness of the needs of other people around them in in their city and in the world that they're on mission to minister to. And so being aware of our feelings is so valuable for our faith. A lot of times we, we get the idea that, oh, feelings are a problem with faith. Because we, we think that faith is just about cognition and beliefs and, and behaviors. But faith is also about feelings and the heart and relationships. Growing in our self-awareness facilitates growth in emotional intelligence, which facilitates effectiveness in all of our work, in all of our relationships, and in all aspects of our faith.
0: And Jesus really wants an intimate, ongoing conversational relationship with us he doesn't want us hiding or repressing our emotions from him he doesn't want us thinking that we can't be emotionally honest with him
1: because he loves us he wants to be close to us and he wants to speak to us and one of the ways that god speaks to you and to me is through our feelings God speaks authoritatively through the inspired word of God, of course. And God speaks winsomely through nature. But how do we hear God? Is not only by thinking. God does speak to us through our thoughts. But God also speaks to us through feelings and impressions and sensations and experiences. And so to be able to discern those things, it really helps to be self-aware. When we're not self-aware and we're plugged up with, with our emotions then it's harder to hear God's voice. It's harder to have discernment and and God's wisdom around the different decisions and things that we're doing.
0: And to feel joy in Jesus, we need to also be able to be honest and able to feel the sadness over our sin, over difficulties in life, over loss, grief. Yeah, we might try to push
1: down or avoid those negative feelings, the distress which is, is natural, but we need to consciously work against that because if we repress the painful, unwanted emotions, then it, it blunts our whole um, emotional personality. Our, our, our soul gets dulled, our heart gets removed. So, wow, so fun to sh- share with all of you who are listening, and we just want you to have a, 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 just a blessed holiday season, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas times with family, and so we hope that this conversation is helping you with that. We would also love for you to enjoy our surprising Joy Advent Cards. This has been just the funnest exercise that we have done for personal devotions and for family devotions. And it's so easy. It's kid-friendly. Lots of people like us have used this with their children or at family gatherings with children and adults or just the adults or with a small group, but it's just a fun way to celebrate Advent, these uh, Advent cards, Surprising Joy, A Journey with Jesus for Advent, and each card has a different Bible character on it with a contemporary uh, art picture from an artist that we hired, and a scripture reading, and a soul talk question, and so it's so easy to pick a card of, of maybe uh, Mary or Joseph. Or or the lamb or the camel or the star. Lots of different characters in the Nativity story to reflect on the scripture there. Just a real simple reflection and you can share that with one another. Makes for great great soul talks, great, great conversations.
0: Jesus, how grateful we are to you for your coming. That you came in your incarnation to become human. And you had many emotions and still do. And you empathize with us in our emotions. And we thank you for the way that you are a tender, empathetic, compassionate, wise parent to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to grow us in your likeness, in health, emotionally, and spiritually in you, so that we can love others like you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.